Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Janice, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, December 13th, 2012. Today we are reading from the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous, and we are on page 81, and we will be beginning with the first full paragraph, which starts, whatever the situation, we usually have to do something about it. The share code for yesterday, which was Wednesday, December 12th, the reference number for the meeting is 3493. That's 3493. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members we are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain, to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. Sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I'd now like to ask Edini to please read the 12 steps. Thank you, Janice. Good morning, my spiritual brothers and sisters. My name is Edini, and I am a very grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. I thank you and I pass. Thank you, Edini. 
I'd now like to ask Margaret to please read the 12 traditions. Thank you, Janice. Good morning, Vision, for you. My name is Margaret. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Illinois. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. He'd always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is a spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Margaret. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirements for moderators is one year, and for readers, is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute your phone. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, Everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. And today we resume our study of the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous, and we are on page 81, beginning with the first full paragraph that starts, Whatever the Situation. And I would like to ask Esther to please get us started. Good morning. My name is Esther, and I'm a compulsive overeater in Canada. Whatever the situation, we usually have to do something about it. If we are sure our wife does not know, should we tell her? Not always, we think. If she knows in a general way that we have been wild, should we tell her in detail? Undoubtedly, we should admit our fault. She may insist on knowing all the particulars. She will want to know who the woman is and where she is. We feel we ought to say to her that we have no right to involve another person. We are sorry for what we have done, and God willing, it shall not be repeated. More than that, we cannot do. We have no right to go further. 
Though there may be justifiable exceptions, and though we wish to lay down no rule of any sort, we can, we have often found this the best course to take. <clears throat> Good morning, my fellows. My name is Esther. I'm a compulsive overeater. And here, um, this paragraph is detailing various situations that could come up, especially when we have domestic troubles. That's the word the big book has used, domestic troubles. And, of course, it's uh, no surprise that we will have domestic troubles because um, later on the, in a few paragraphs, the, the big book's going to describe us like tornadoes roaring through the lives of others. So I also was like a storm. And if uh, and the closer the people are to the storm, the, the more they suffer. So it was no surprise to me to realize that I caused much pain to the people in my family because they were the people you know, closest to me in life, and and the damage is greater the closer you are to this uh, storm. So um, this paragraph is um, outlining different scenarios and how we handle them, and and uh, this is where the guidance of a recovered sponsor is critical, so that we we don't do something foolish. You know, I I want to clean up my past, but I don't want to continue to hurt others. Um, so this is where where it's important for us to receive the guidance of someone who's done this already and could um, see this, you know, from a objective point of view because cleaning up the past is what we want, but we don't want to create more damage, you know, to those who we love and who are closest to us. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Esther. Would anyone like to comment on this paragraph? Well, this is Janice, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. And I'm going to dive in here because I believe that this part of the big book is so brave. I think it's so brave because what they're talking about here, what I learned through this part of the big book, is that I had a whole lot of problems around intimacy. I had a whole lot of problems around intimacy. You know, the big book talks about Drinking does complicate sex relations in the home. Well, they're talking about those relationships where there's that attraction, that commitment to each other perhaps, those relationships where we're, where we're trying to be intimate with another human being. And we're having a pretty hard going. You know, we made a, a rough going of life. We made a rough going of life because my intimate relationship was with the food. It was with the food. You know, it was not with healthy relationships with other human beings, and especially not a healthy relationship with a partner. You know, how how is it not going to get in the way? And if those relationships were all tangled up at home, well, then I'm going to be looking around for something else to ease the pain that I was always going to the food to ease because I didn't have a skill set. I didn't have much of a skill set to deal with those relationships, those intimate and close relationships. And so it's telling us here, whatever the situation is, we might have to do something about it. And that was their experience. It says, we're not trying to make a hard and fast rule here that everybody's going to have to follow. But this is what we can share from our own experience. Those recovered and putting this down on paper in the big book had had some experience in this area. And as they were trying to work step nine, this is what had happened to them. 
This is what had happened to them. And, you know, I was trying to build some self-worth here through the working of the steps because I didn't have a whole lot of that when I got to step nine. But I had a whole lot of wreckage of my past that I wanted to try to make right. So it says, whatever the situation, we usually have to do something about it. But if the other person doesn't know, do we tell them? Do we tell them? You know, maybe I'm thinking, oh, this would make me feel so much better if I just came clean. Would make me feel so much better. Well, that may be the self-centered thing to do, the big book is saying. You know, I may not feel worthy, and I may think that telling is going to make me feel worthy, but I'm going to be causing more harm by doing that. If the person doesn't know, maybe I just got to clean up my act and start acting right. You know, maybe I got to put my focus on this relationship and trying to do the right thing in this relationship. You know, we are sorry for what we have done, and God willing, it shall not be repeated. God willing, it shall not be repeated. You know, that's a beautiful, beautiful statement here in this paragraph, because isn't that what I'm trying to do? You know, in doing these things, trying to make right in whatever way I can, and then going forward. You know, because our grosser handicaps, Bill says, is what we're trying to get rid of here. Guilt and remorse, resentment, fear, you know, all of those things that kept drawing me back to the food over and over and over again. You know, what I have done or what I haven't done. You know, those were always hanging over my head, but in step nine, I'm going to try to clear up that part. You know, I'm going to try to get rid of that guilt and remorse and ask my higher power the right thing to do. Talk it over. We've been talking the last few days about using the guidance of other recovered people. So we don't go into this alone. We're not in this situation trying to decide all by ourselves what we're going to do. We use other people's much transformed experience to help us too. And with that, I'll pass. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Press star 1 to unmute. Can somebody just tell me where we're at and what page? We are on page 81 in the first full paragraph that begins whatever the situation. I'm sorry, what page is that on? Page 81. This is Patricia. May I share? Go ahead, Patricia. Well, here it says, undoubtedly, we should admit our faults. Um, my experience is that if if I've done something behind someone's back and and I know that if they found out about it, it would hurt them, but in the same mouthful, for them to believe that I'm totally honest and that I'm all that, you know, is wrong. I, I, I'm being I'm being a liar. So I need to be undoubtedly. We should admit our faults. I I need to be honest, whether it hurts. I'm not doing it. I mean, I can perceive that it may hurt them, but truthfully, it may just shine a light and say, hey, you know, I'm human and I make mistakes. You know, and don't look at me as I'm perfect. You know what I mean? So it's humbling. It's very humbling when we go to somebody and say, you know, this is what I did. I know that, you know, 
I, I, I believe that I hurt you. It, whatever, however we want to word it or whatever, yes, we go to our sponsor, yes, we go to God, but for me to, to, to put on this facade that I'm all nice and everything when I've done this thing that I'm hiding and I feel horrible and guilty about and this person thinks I'm all the greatest person, um, I think I, I'm living a lie. You know, that's how I feel. Anyways, thanks. I pass. Thank you, Patricia. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Good morning, it's Leah. Okay. Good morning, Leah. Hey, Janice, good morning to you. Good morning, everybody. My name is Leah. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Uh, the big book, you know, is not afraid to to delve into very delicate areas of a, of life, like, uh, you know, relations and, and um, you know, interpersonal relationships and things like that. It says, whatever the situation, we usually have to do something about it. If we are sure our wife does not know, should we tell her? Uh, they're not going to set a hard and fast rule here. They're just going to remind us in this paragraph that the truth can be used to injure as well as to heal. So as has been stated before, it's so important to have the guidance uh, of someone who has trudged this road ahead of you and to not be impulsive when it's dealing with other people and their emotions. Um, we have to analyze the harm that people would suffer if complete disclosure is made. And this is especially true in cases of infidelity, as they're discussing here. In these kind of cases, irreparable damage could you know, occur to all parties if a direct amends were made. So they're not saying not to do it. They're not saying to do it. <laughs> they're saying let's discuss it, let's give it thought, because in such situations where irreparable damage can be made, that's not the point to um, relieve our own guilt and be able to sleep better at night. And meanwhile, someone's spouse is up all night, uh, you know, in misery and tears and being haunted by a past she or he did not know of. Um, so these amends for infidelity can be made by concentrating on sincere, uh, you know, affection and intention on persons, you know, who we have made a loving commitment to. It says, we are sorry for we, what we have done, and God willing, it shall not be repeated. More than that, we cannot do. We have no right to go further. So again, careful, careful uh, contemplation and discussion with those who are recovered. I've seen, I've seen very ambitious people come into the rooms. They want to get through these nine steps, and they start saying things to their spouses that are extremely destructive and harmful and painful to the spouse who was unknowing. So, you know, we're taught good judgment and a careful sense of timing and courage and prudence. But we always have to remember that good judgment part that, uh, you know, we can't lighten our own burden and recklessly make the crosses of others heavier. The rule is always that we're hard on ourselves. That is true. But always, always considerate of others as well. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph?
All right, we'll move on to the next paragraph. Penny C., would you please read that for us? Good morning, this is Penny C., a recovered compulsive overeater. Our design for living is not a one-way street. It is as good for the wife as for the husband. If we can forget, so can she. It is better, however, that one does not needlessly name a person upon whom she can vent jealously. And I'm going to pass. Thank you. Thank you, Penny. Would anyone like to comment on this paragraph? I'm still trying to find where you guys are. And can you just wait a second so I can unmute? Please tell me what page we're on. We're in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And we're at the very bottom of page 81. It's Adini. Go ahead, Adini. Thank you, Janice. Good morning, my spiritual fellows. My name is Irini, a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Our design for living is not a one-way street. And what does that mean? This is about change from what um, we used to be to what God wants us to be now. It's going from self-centered to God-centered. It's, um, it's thinking and acting according to God's will and not our will. We are recreating our design for living according to the principles and not being governed by self-will, you know, by our emotions. Um, so when we allow jealousy to live in our hearts, then we allow to still be controlled by our own desires. You know, God loves us unconditionally. This is a gift. And in, in return, we should have kindness and love in our hearts for God, as well as for ourselves, as well as for others. Um, love is patience and kindness, and there is no room for envy. It is not self-seeking. Um, there's no anger in love. When we allow our hearts to be hardened by our emotions, then we are driven to focus on ourselves and our desires. And then God is pushed further away from us and then we are pushed further away from the healing of God. But if we allow the light of the Spirit to come into our hearts and melt those things that block us so our heart can become soft, and then we can allow to be controlled by, by love and peace and joy and patience and kindness and goodness, faithfulness and gentleness. I thank you and I pass. Thank you, Edini. Would anyone else like to comment on their paragraph? Press star one to unmute. Go ahead. Thanks, Janice. Um, and thank you, Irini, for um, saying that. I was thinking along the same lines. Um, you know, our design for living is not in a one-way street. It is as good for the wife as for the husband. And, you know, for those of us who been the tornadoes who you know done so much wreckage in our families and have touched the lives of so many people because of the way we used to live um this transformation has to take place and they're going to see that take place especially as we um, implement these steps 
and we actually take action. You know, we make those decisions, one through three, and then four through nine are these um, action steps. And um, that's the thing that's so cool is um, what's going to be born out of all of that is what Irini was just saying. You know, joy, love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, all these things. So our spouses, our family members are going to see that this is a design for for living that really works for us. And they're going to think, hey, you know, I can do this too. Um, I love that sentence. It says it is as good for the wife as it is for the husband. Um, so, of course, we're not going to you know, name names in a situation like this. If there's infidelity involved, um, you're not going to particularly say a person's name because what is going to, what's going to take place out of that? Obviously, that's just going to breed jealousy for your spouse. So I just love how um, it was all encapsulated with what Irini just said, and I'll pass at that. Thank you, Deb. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Katie. Go ahead, Katie. Um, I'm Katie, a compulsive overeater recovered in Virginia. Um, and I think that the way we can get hung up on this, uh, these amends is, is we're looking for the other person to for forgiveness and acceptance and all the things that we really get from God. And, um, you know, we, we want to keep beating ourselves up. And so we want to make sure that everybody knows how awful we were. And this is clearly stating that, you know, we turn away from how we were and, um, and we move forward and we stop that kind of behavior, whatever it was. Um, but it, it doesn't need to be um, brought into the full floodlight if uh, it's inappropriate. And that's why it is so critical that you work with a recovered sponsor because I could find anyone um, in the room, friends, relatives, who would um, agree with me on my crazy thinking. I, I had lots of friends who um, were as sick as me or, um, you know, just not on the same, on this path. And I could um, get them to agree with my way of doing things that maybe wasn't right. So this really is between you and God and your recovered sponsor. And sometimes you have to live with the fact that, uh, that there's some people who really don't know how bad you were, but that's okay. We just move forward and we change our way of living, and that's what this is teaching us to do. Um, it says, uh, well, never mind. That's the next paragraph. Okay, thanks. Thank you, Katie. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? All right, we'll move on to the next paragraph. Katie, if you would read that for us, please. Hi, I'm Katie, a compulsive overeater. 
Perhaps there are some cases where the utmost frankness is demanded. No outsider can appraise such an intimate situation. It may be that both will decide that the way of good sense and loving kindness is to let bygones be bygones. Each might pray about it, having the other one's happiness uppermost in mind. Keep it always in sight that we are dealing with that most terrible human emotion, jealousy. Good generalship may decide that the problems be attacked on the flank rather than risk a face-to-face combat. I don't really know what flank means. I don't have my dictionary. I think it means on the side. Um, So, you know, this goes along with what I was just saying, that, you know, um, that we just move forward. We, we, We clear away the wreckage of our past, and we move forward in a new direction, and we don't have, we don't keep going over every situation over and over and over again, which is what we learned in doing uh, the fifth, the fourth step that we don't have to name every name and um, every single situation. We change the way we've been living our life, and we move forward. And to arouse um, this most terrible human emotion jealousy in another person who didn't even know something was going on, well, we've just caused a new problem. So that's not what our purpose is here. We, um, we uh, don't want to get bogged down in this and look for um, ways of not moving forward to the 10th, 11th, and 12th steps. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Katie. This is Janice, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. You know, I love this paragraph and the one right before because it's introducing an idea to me that it may be more than just me that's affected by this design for living. You know, this design for living that they're talking about, the principles of the 12 steps, the way this recovered alcoholic is beginning to try to live his or her life, is, is going to ripple out from them. You know, it's going to begin affecting the family. As we make our amends, as we try to clean up the wreckage of the past, as we try to begin to live differently, you know, that's going to ripple out. That's going to ripple out. And hopefully our partner and the person that we, or people that we live closest to, love, love closest to, are going to begin to see, you know, we've already been working this whole process. You know, we are now at step nine. So it means that we have not only admitted our powerlessness and turned our will and our lives over and and worked our inventory, that we are getting deeper and deeper into this spiritual process. So by the time we get to this step, by the time we've made this list and we're starting to work these amends, some things have begun to be evident, you know, we're no longer eating compulsively. We're no longer eating compulsively. And we're trying to begin to make things right. So perhaps there are some cases they're saying. The big book I love keeps trying to look at all experience and say this is some of what we know. This is some of what we know. You know, there may be some cases where the utmost frankness is demanded. And it may be that it's not an easy thing for us to do. 
and no outsider can appraise that intimate situation. No one can say what's happened between these two people is what they're talking about, I believe. And it may be that both will decide that the way that they want to live is to let the past stay in the past and try to put each other in that place of prayerful consideration. Each might pray about it, having the other one's happiness upmost in mind, uppermost in mind. Now that would be nothing short of a miracle. That would be nothing short of a miracle for both people. But it's God-directed there. It's God-directed. You know, God provides the way, and it's God-directed. You know, we are dealing with this most terrible human emotion, it says, jealousy, jealousy. And so naming that, naming that, and shining the light on that might be the way that it's transformed. You know, and good generalship, they, I, I love that Bill W. And, and these first 100 talk about it in terms of a battle, because it is a battle. It is a battle. But now we've got God on our side in this battle, and we're trying to attack our own, our own grosser handicaps, I think. So it may be that not coming at this incident head on, it may be that's the way to go and that we continue to try to be as kind, as loving, as open and honest and generous with ourselves in this relationship in order to begin that healing process. And with that, I'll pass. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Kim. This is Christy. This is Sharon. All right, we'll start with Kim, then Christy, and then Sharon. Good morning, Janice. Good morning, my fellows. My name is Kim. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. I'm going to zone in on that last sentence. Good generalship may decide that the problem be attacked on the flank rather than to risk face-to-face combat. So what are we trying to do here? We're trying to clear away the wreckage of our past. We're not trying to create more wreckage. So it's saying we have to use discernment. You know, we have to use judgment. And how do we use discernment? And how do we use judgment? It's because of all the work that we have done in steps one through eight. I have seen more damage done when somebody puts the food down and goes, oh, I don't want to feel this way anymore. I'm going to go tell my husband why I, you know, why I had an affair. I'm going to go tell my boss that I stole money. I'm going to go tell my siblings this, that, or the other thing. But in order to understand how to do an amends so that we can take responsibility and not create more wreckage, that is done through steps one through eight and working with recovered people who have walked this path before us. You know, it's, I, one of my things that I did a lot of, I did a lot of gossip. I tore people apart behind their back. I was vicious. But if you had asked me before this process, what is gossip? I would have told you it's an objective observation of things that people need to know. That's all it is. But let me tell you what's a bit, what the 12 and 12 tells me about gossip on page 67. It says, gossip barred with anger, a polite form of murder, by a character assassination has its satisfaction for us. So is that going to help me to go up to someone and tell them all the vicious things I said behind their back? And like I said, I might sleep better at night, but that person's going to be tortured. So I look at this, I go through this process, and for myself, one of the things I did is I 
instead of looking for all the awful things that person did and then tell everyone about it, well, I looked at all the wonderful things that person did. I looked for, their, for the times they did things right. And I let them know, thank you, I appreciate this about you. I let other people know, isn't it wonderful that, that Sally Sue or, or Jerry or whoever does this? Because I need to clear away that wreckage. I didn't need to cause more harm. So, I mean, so through this process, you may decide the problem to be attacked on the flank rather than a face-to-face combat. I need to right this wrong without creating more havoc for somebody else. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Christy, go ahead. Hi, good morning, Janice. Good morning, a vision for you. This is Christy, a recovered compulsive overeater. You know, as we read these pages, I just have to say, I am so grateful that these pages did not come right after the table of contents in the big book. You know, maybe the you know, maybe we would have sold 10 copies and there'd be one person in recovery, you know, when this book was published. I mean, there is a reason. There is a reason. You know, we started this meeting, in, you know, back in the summer in July, and we've been reading a paragraph at a time, absorbing everything this says and, you know, building up to these um you know, for me, we're scary. You know, we're, we've been building up to, you know, preparation for this kind of work. It's not something that I put the food down and, you know, was ready to go. That just did not happen for me. And, you know, the steps are in order for a reason. The steps are in order for a reason. This is step nine. You know, this is step nine. There are eight steps in front of this one that, in my experience, needed to be worked and are outlined in the big book in a particular order. So, um, you know, I'll never forget sitting in my first meeting and looking at those steps on the wall and thinking, how am I going to do that? How am I going to do that? Well, you know, it's um, it's a lot of preparation and a lot of work and a lot of prayer and a lot of conversations and certainly putting the food down first and foremost, but all of that, all of that is preparing me for this. It is preparing me for these for this work. And, you know, in the same way, you know, um, Kim highlighted the, that last sentence, you know, I'm, I'm drawn to that in particular and, and reading, and, you know, Katie had mentioned that she hadn't looked up what the definition or didn't have a chance to look up what the definition of flank means, but, you know, I looked that up, and it says, you know, it's extreme sides. And um, what that means to me is that, you know, in a current day context, you know, what I do is I work out uh, 95% of my relationship issues with other people. You know, I can bring the, the best part of me to that other 5%. You know, that's what I can do. I work out all the crap with people who are in recovery. You know, that's important to point out, as Katie pointed out. You know, I'm working this kind of stuff through with recovered people. You know, I could call my sister and I could say, what do you think I should do about, you know, my relationship with my partner? You know, I, I mean, I, you know, with a, one, you know, one of my partners, not that I've had hundreds, I just want to point that out. But, you know, with one of my partners, I I'd had 11 out of our 13 years in active addiction. You know, and my sister might, you know, want to plot revenge with me 
well, I could do that with my sister. I could plot revenge. And, you know, my mom might tell me because my mom doesn't want me to be hurt, you know, to leave the partner high and dry. Leave her high and dry. You know, she did you wrong. You've got to walk, walk away. And recovered people like my sponsor and my fellows can guide me in a nice, objective way. You know, let's look, Christy, let's look at your part in this situation. Let's look at your part. Wait a minute, this person did me wrong. But my recovered fellows can say, well, let's look at your part in this. You know, let's look at your part in this and whether there is an amend. And, and that's exactly what people do with me today. You know, in my current life, they look at my part. You know, it doesn't matter what the other person did. It doesn't matter what they said. It doesn't matter, you know, honestly, let's, you know, try to look at this from a, an objective place, not emotion-based. Let's look at this objectively and take care of your part. And, you know, I, I'm fond of saying I'm either a bull in a china shop or I'm an ostrich with my head in the sand. And recovery is teaching me to live somewhere in the middle of those extremes. That's what recovery is teaching me, to live in the middle of those extremes, to learn how to do that. And I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to do that. And I'm so grateful that I have the big book, of course, and recovered people to help guide me through that, to help guide me through life, whether it's making amends that I'm terrified to do or living daily in recovery. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Christy. Sharon, go ahead. Good morning. This is Sharon, Recovered Compulsive Overeater, and very grateful to be on the line. And looking at this this paragraph, the word humility uh, comes out, uh, just really comes to mind strongly. How humble we need to be as we uh, deal with those that are closest to us. I can just, um, I, I know that uh, humility is something that Dr. Bob struggled with for years and wrote about quite a bit. And I think I've mentioned it before. He calls it, he called it a perpetual uh, quietness of heart. So having that quiet heart, not having not having your mind when you're approaching a situation like this that is so charged and so sensitive. And I know for me, when with people closest to me, I can react in a way that would shock people who are outside of that inner, really closest, innermost, intimate circle. I can shock myself. Um, because it's so close and it's it's in the, uh, it affects me affects me so intimately in my heart and I can I, I carry a lot of fear and uh, anger resentment and things that have uh, you know hopefully they've all been dealt with now but you know things do come up and I some and but I know when I was going through this uh, really deeply. I would react and I'd go, oh, my gosh, where'd that come from? And so we have to, to the best of our ability, just I have found to surrender to God. God, I have to, and and also I need the support of my fellows with me. So having that sponsor guiding me and being surrendered to that sponsor and then not having my head full of a lot of uh 
resentments and anger just to be as clean as possible and to approach it with um, knowing that I'm just looking at my part. What I have done is is um, I've come to that place where I have found where I've been wrong. And at some point, my uh, partner, my spouse, my whomever is most intimate with me that I'm dealing with um, at this point with my step nine, that person is going to come uh, on their own, in their own time, just as I have had to do, recognizing that I'm dealing with a sick person, but I have to clean up my side of the street. So just bringing it, recognizing who I am, what I have done, and accepting that, and knowing that this amends is something that I cannot do on my own, that I need the support of my fellows, and that I I really need my higher power to guide and direct my thinking. I can't depend upon my own uh, thoughts because that's what got me into this trouble. I have to surrender, accept God's guidance and direction, and know that this is something that I have to do so that I can be what I need to be, so that I can be what God would have me to be, so that I can be of love and service, so that I don't continue to hurt and abuse people around me, so that I can be healed, so that I can be recovered. And I, I go in and I do this, I do the next right thing, and I stay close to those that are supporting me through this. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Sharon. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph before we move on? This is Patricia. May I share? Go ahead, Patricia. Um, yes, this piece right here that jumps out at me is each might pray about it, having the other one's happiness uppermost in mind. For me, that is that is my new behavior. That is my reborn, born-again uh, behavior, knowing that my goal in life is to walk with, in peace and harmony with, with everybody. So to have their uppermost happiness in my mind, not, not to, you know, get over my guilt or whatever, whatever, you know, like I said, no, I don't want to live a life of a lie, but yes, I do go to God, and yes, I will go to my sponsor, you know, and I just praise God I don't have any of that in my life, <laughs> this infidelity stuff. Pray, oh, I am just so grateful, you know. Um, but but to eat, with any amends, to keep the happiness, their, their happiness, not mine, theirs, See, before I was self-centered, self-seeking, self, you know, all of it was about me and my happiness and what's going to make me happy. But now to change my thinking is, this is a process too for me because I just don't just switch it off, you know. Um, so to have this written here and having us go through this, it's helping me to um, remember what, I'm spo- what my goal is, what, what my life is supposed to represent, you know, not not what it has been in the past, but what my goal is, you know, and what my future, what I want my future to be like, not, um, you know. Anyways, thank you. I pass. Thank you, Patricia. 
Well, we'll move on to the next paragraph. And Deb W., if you would read that for us. My pleasure. Good morning, Janice. Good morning, a vision for you. My name is Devin, a recovered compulsive overeater. If we have no such complications, there's plenty we should do at home. Sometimes we hear an alcoholic say that the only thing he needs to do is to keep sober. Certainly he must keep sober, for there will be no home if he doesn't. But he is yet a long way from making good to the wife or parents from whom in years he has so shockingly treated. Passing all understanding is this is the patience mothers and wives have had with alcoholics. Had this not been so many of us would have no homes today would perhaps be dead. Um, what this reminds me of, um, just jumping off the page, this thought of living amends. You know, we've been, um, the next paragraph is going to talk about how we are roaring tornadoes in the lives of others, and it is too true. Um, the ninth step, um, there are monetary ways in which we um, clean up our past. There are, you know, just uh, like a one-time offense where we just go back to another person and we say we're sorry. You know, whatever that may look like. And thankfully, as we've been talking this morning, we've been working through all of this um, with a recovered uh, compulsive overeater who has gone and trudged the same path. Um, but there are these living amends that we do on a daily basis. Those that are the closest to us, my husband, my children, and the way in which I treated them in the past, um, it's a daily thing that I'm working out. It's the ninth step that I'm doing daily where I get up in the morning and I ask God, you know, help me to be all that you've called me to be. Help me to be the woman of purpose that you have created me to be, you know. And, um, and that involves, you know, living differently today than what I did in my disease. Recognizing that I am a bite away <laughs> from going back to that same place of destruction and wreaking havoc on everybody in my household. So today I have to recognize that, um, you know, they have gone through a lot with me. And, you know, how how am I going to live today? I want to live in victory. I don't want to live in um, in fear and, and, like I said, the destruction and, and chaos um, that I used to live in. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Deb. Would anyone like to comment on this paragraph? Good morning. This is Margaret. Leah. Go ahead, Margaret, and then Leah. Uh, good morning, Janice. Good morning, Vision, for you. You know, if we have no such complication, there is plenty we should do at home. Um, thank God for the program, because I almost got myself into such complication uh, years ago. But, uh, you know, I, I was spared. And so was my family. But there is plenty, of, uh, plenty we should do at home. And um, certainly we must keep sober. And I always love that, that sentence back when we agnostics on page 44 where it says, to one who feels he is an atheist or agnostic, such an experience seems impossible. But to continue as he is means disaster. And I knew that that's what it would be for me because though I might have a home and I'm, it wasn't very pleasant and, and the atmosphere you know, I, uh, in my disease, was just miserable. It was miserable for me and everybody else around me. You know, so certainly he must keep sober for there will be no home if he doesn't. 
And, you know, I might still have a house, but there really would be no home if I picked up again. There really, really, I know that. I know that um, in my heart and in my mind that I don't have a chance. And, and you know, in, in, if I don't have a chance, then all of the people around me, I just create, I could create really havoc for them. So I am just so grateful that we have a chance. We have a way to escape. You know, this book shows us the way out, as Bill was looking for with Ebby. And, and, you know, we just have to keep following the directions, just keep pointing to the book and pointing to the book. And as was said so brilliantly today and wonderfully, you know, it, it's all the steps before steps nine, because if we just open the book to step nine and think about what we have to do with amends, we would all run away, every single one of us. But thank God we help each other to get through the first eight steps, too. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Margaret. Leah, go ahead. Thank you so much. A, par- a powerful paragraph, that's for sure. It says, if we have no such complications, there's plenty we should do at home. Sometimes we hear an alcoholic say that the only thing he needs to do is keep sober. You know, uh, this program of recovery goes way beyond just the mere elimination of my trigger foods. Uh, you know, the main problem, the greater aspect of my disease resides in my mind. Uh, you know, my values, my beliefs, my ideas, the way I think, my attitudes, uh, that's where the greater aspect of my disease lies. And so mere elimination, well, obviously elimination is absolutely necessary before I embark on this program of recovery, but the work has just begun. You know, um, I've got a lot to do here. It says, but he is yet a long way from making good to the wife or parents um, <clears throat> or parents whom for years he has so shockingly treated. Um, sometimes compulsive overeaters, you know, they think, well, the alcoholic creates chaos, but we don't create chaos. You know, we just get fat. But, you know, I can look at my life and I can see, uh, you know, in my uh, days of, of active addiction, you know, there was lack of emotional intimacy, there was lack of physical intimacy in my marriage, I was negative, I was critical, I was emotionally detached. <laughs> These are a few of my favorite things. Uh, I had fits of rage, you know, I was sullen, I was depressed, I had suicidal thinking, I was withdrawn, uh, you know, I was withholding affection, I kept people off balance, I kept my husband off balance. I mean, you know, those are a few things in, in my uh, toolkit that I had. So the program of recovery, you know, putting uh, the cellophane bags and the bakery boxes away were just, was, was just the beginning. Now we got to work. And the work was implementing these action steps and laying these principles of this program down on every facet of my life. These 12 steps are designed for living. I had no tools for living when I got here, no tools for living. The program of recovery gave me a set of principles that told me how a human being should live. And if I could live by these principles like love, like harmony, like having the other one's happiness uppermost in mind, if I could live by those kind of principles, I would be peaceful and I would be content and I would be free from the things that used to enslave me and make my life miserable and make everybody who was involved with me their life miserable. So God gave me self-will, and I can do with it what I want to do. 
or I can choose to live by these principles. The program of recovery taught me these principles. The program of recovery said to me, Leah, hey, Leah, are you looking for relief? Are you merely looking for elimination of your binge foods? Or are you looking for your salvation? The choice is up to you, Leah, which one's going to be. Mere elimination of your binge foods or a whole new design for living? I choose the latter. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. This is Janice, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. You know, I'm I'm always reminded because I have it written here in my in the margins of my book that it was more than I just wanted to get clean and stay clean. I wanted to get clean, but I didn't want to take a bath. You know, I wanted to get clean, but I didn't want to take a bath. Well, here in step nine, I'm going to be taking that bath. You know, I'm I'm going to really if I am serious about what they're telling me here. If I am serious, if I have grabbed hold and I'm working these steps as if my life depends on it, then that's what I'm going to want to do. You know, whatever God-directed thing is in front of me to be done, I want to live that way. I want to live that way. And with that, I'll pass. Well, we're going to close here today with um, with all who shared. Thank you so much. Um, Thank you to everyone who shared. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Esther, could you please read that for us? Sure. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is a great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.